Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who has given to us this prayer of all prayers. Amen. Tonight we focus on another of those chief articles of faith found in Luther's small catechism, the Lord's Prayer. This prayer of all prayers given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ has both a vertical dimension to it as well as a horizontal dimension, similar to the Ten Commandments with the two tables of the law which speak of our relationship with God, the vertical dimension, and our relationship to our neighbor, the horizontal dimension. With spirit-given wisdom, Luther breaks down the Lord's Prayer into seven different petitions together with an introduction and a conclusion. We know this. These are all so very familiar to us that we may run the risk of rattling off these amazing words without even thinking about them. We know these words so very well that at times we not, may not even be aware of what we are praying. We're doing them by rote. I know I am guilty of that, and I would imagine we all are. These are not magic words, some kind of incantation. They are words rooted in a relationship of faith and trust, as Luther wrote in what we just read together. God tenderly invites us to believe that he is our true father and that we are his true children so that with all boldness and confidence we may ask him as dear children, ask their dear father, not cringing with servile fear, but with boldness and confidence. We are children of the Father. We have access to the most awesome source of power in the universe. Matthew's account of Jesus giving the disciples the Lord's Prayer comes in the middle of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. Tonight's scripture lesson was heard a number of weeks ago on Ash Wednesday. You may recall that. But it also included verses before as well as after the lesson we heard this evening. Taken as a whole then, Jesus here is teaching his disciples on the true nature of almsgiving, on prayer, on fasting. These are spiritual disciplines used by Christians throughout the world and throughout the ages, but especially during the Lenten season. Note that the Lord Jesus teaches us here about prayer, what it is and what it is not. 
It is not for show so that we might be seen by others who will be impressed with how good and pious we are. That is not the point. The point of prayer is not about the number of words. It's not about the eloquence of our words. The point of prayer is to commune, to come before our Father in heaven, and that requires some focus, some concentration on our part. Many of us prefer to pray alone precisely because of this, so that we can be thinking and concentrating on what it is we're coming before the Lord with. There is certainly an individual aspect to prayer. There is also a communal or corporate aspect to prayer when the body of Christ comes together and offers prayer, praise, and thanksgiving. It is not either or, it's both and, individual and corporate. It's not about getting the, the words right and how many times do we get caught up in that, don't we? Mm. That, I believe, holds us back from corporate prayer also. We have a fear that we won't sound right before others, and we don't want that. It's not about getting the words right. It is coming to the Lord with all of our need, in all of our poverty, inviting the Lord to come into our need, to come step into our poverty with his grace and his blessing. We trust that even in times when our thoughts and words are nothing but a jumbled up mess, when we cannot seem to articulate what is on our heart, when we are experiencing the dark night of the soul, it is then that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with sighs too deep for words. That is encouragement for all of us to come before the Lord in prayer, for our advocate stands with us to help us, the Holy Spirit. The introduction to the Lord's Prayer is both personal and cosmic at the same time. We call God our Father, and at the same time, affirm God's cosmic being, our Father, who art in heaven. And note that Jesus taught us to pray our Father, not my Father. Our faith always puts us into relationship with our fellow believers. 
our Father who art in heaven. And just like the second commandment, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, the first petition of the Lord's prayer, hallowed be thy name, asks that in our own lives we may live in such a way that God's name is indeed honored and hallowed and glorified through our words and our actions. God's name is already holy in and of itself. We will not make it any more holy, but that others may see the holiness of God's name in us and through us. God's reign is already among us as well. Among us in Jesus Christ, we pray in the second petition, thy kingdom come, that God's reign and God's rule would continue to grow and expand. And how will that grow and expand? Through his people, like you and me, who carry the word and the spirit out into the world around us. The third petition, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This, I believe, is the most difficult part of the Lord's Prayer for most of us, if not all of us, as we struggle to submit our will our plans, our agenda, what we want to do for what God would have for us. Our model for doing this is Jesus himself, who in his agony of prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane submitted his will to that of the Father. Father, take this cup from me yet not what I will, but your will be done. And we can only do this when we know that our Heavenly Father wants only what is best for his children. Then we are able to submit our will to that of the Lord. The fourth petition, give us this day our daily bread, asks for God to graciously provide us with the necessities of life. Not always our wants, but what we need. And when you get down to it, our needs are rather simple. Food, drink, shelter, clothing, an honest wage, food on the table. Our needs so that people everywhere might have enough to sustain life. The fifth petition, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
I think if we were to substitute regularly in our prayers the word debt for trespass, as many denominations and churches do, the point might be clearer. We understand what debt means and what is owed. Trespass is a little more nebulous when we pray, God, forgive me my debt, what I owe you. That may carry more weight. This calls to mind Jesus' parable of the unforgiving servant who was graciously forgiven an astronomical amount of debt by his master, but then could not forgive a paltry sum owed to him by a fellow servant. How can we, who have been forgiven all the debt of our sins and trespasses by our Father, not do the same with one another? The sixth petition, lead us not into temptation, really is coupled together with the seventh petition. But deliver us from evil. They are two sides of the same coin. In the style of Hebrew poetry, similar instruction uh, structure to many of the Psalms, which also are poetry, part a of the poem affirms trust that God will not do this. He will not lead us into temptation, but he will do part B of the poem, which confesses confidence that God will deliver us from evil. God does not lead his children into temptation to make them stumble and fall, but he does graciously deliver them in time of need by his almighty power. And the conclusion of the Lord's Prayer then, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. This is just what we covered not even an hour ago in confirmation tonight. So ask those confirmation students back there what all this means. I'll tell you. This echoes David's words when he requested from uh, the people of Israel gifts to adorn the house of the Lord. And there was an ingathering of gold and silver and precious stones. And David then offered up this prayer. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. And the Lord's Prayer like all of our prayers, ends with that word, Amen. Whether you say Amen or Amen, I don't really care. It means the same thing, which Luther says is this. Yes, yes, it shall be so. 
That is a note of confidence. Each day, let us then pray this Lord's Prayer with confidence and trust in our Heavenly Father, whose gracious will and purpose have been made known to us in his blessed Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, who died for us that we might live for him. Amen.